Yo, what's up? This is Brian. This is episode 150, dude. Invite the neighbors. Holy shit. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, granted, I haven't been moving at the pace that I was when I started for a variety of reasons. Um, 150 episodes. And uh, to Dave Kovacek, who's a (laughs) confirmed listen to every single one of them. Thanks, Dave. You deserve a shout out. And anyone else who's listened to all of them, who are you? You know what I mean? Hit me up. Let me know. Um, Yeah, this episode is with Tyler Common, who goes by Novelty Songs in the Music Sphere space, also known as the Shrek Rave Guy and the SpongeBob Rave Guy, apparently, which we're talking about that right away. And uh, fellow John Mayer superfan as well. So I'm going to cut this intro pretty short. I'm going to get right into the episode. Basically, because I don't know what to say. Um, other than, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And fuck yeah, dude, 150. Dude, you should try doing something 150 times and tell me if you don't hate it. Okay, thank you. That's, oh, dude. That's, that's, that's Him and Patrick Stump are like the, how I learned how to sing, pretty much. Yeah, so like, I, uh... Motion City was another one. I, uh, I met them in Kalamazoo one time. Mm-hmm. And it was the stupidest. It was like, I was the worst fan of all time, basically. Like... Mm-hmm. I was going out with some friends just like to a bar and we were just like bar hopping Kalamazoo. This was like, I don't know, eight years ago, probably. Right. And then we go up to this one and Justin Pierre is standing outside on the sidewalk. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? They had just got done playing at this bar that we were going to. And I was like, you, (laughs) you know, you're the guy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you're the guy. I'm like, holy shit. And they just, I'm like, but I didn't even know that they were playing there. And like, we, we totally could have went, right. You know? And I was like trying to explain, like, I am a fan, but I also like don't use the internet effectively. Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) but no, he was really cool. Yeah. He was really cool. But Ascenders I've met a couple of times just from like being a super stan. Oh yeah. Like I can make a mess is, uh, I've, I've personally, I can make a mess a little better. Oh, you think so? The world we know is his best record in out of any of his projects, in my opinion. I'll have to listen to that one more. It's uh that that's like that's the album I listened to when I realized I had depression. Like for the yeah. first time. <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I'm depressed. I was like in high school. So Yeah, I I think that I have definitely a lot of records that like probably dove too hard into once mm-hmm. I realized I had depression. Or like whatever form of mental health I actually did have because when I was like fifteen or sixteen, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know if I was depressed or what, or if it was something just like, going on. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was just like environmental shit mm-hmm. or what, but I dove head first into like sad boy shit. Oh yeah. You know, like, I mean, ever since I was in like sixth grade, I remember like simple plan. I'm just a kid came out mm-hmm. and my sixth grade girlfriend had just broken up with me. <laughs> and like, right. I remember like sitting there with a box of Kleenex, like a complete, real life cliche you know mm. just sobbing i feel you there yeah but you so like i want to know about the spongebob rave dude spongebob rave how did that go um honestly it was a lot of fun um the only, the worst part of the evening was when someone um this girl had requested harry styles which i'm a huge harry styles fan was happy with that and then she later came up to the mic i'm um, up to the mic up to my like dj station and asked me um are you recording no you're good I don't know if you want to do like an intro or something. Oh no, I don't do fucking intros. No. I'm, I'm like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm avant garde with it. 
for sure. No. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the SpongeBob rave was definitely very interesting. Um, I had DJ to Shrek rave previously, which was a much different crowd, which you'd expect to be the same thing. But the Shrek rave was more like e- like emo kids kind of thing. At least the in the room that I DJed in, the SpongeBob rave was more like theater kids, more kids that like. When I would play like SpongeBob quotes, they would all like recite them. But the worst <laughs> part of the evening is when some girl, the same girl that requested Harry Styles, came up to me and requested R. Kelly, and I had to explain to her why I wouldn't play R. Kelly, and she looked like confused, like she had no idea, yeah, that he was a bad person. Doesn't have a Netflix account. Yeah. Never seen the documentary. Never like it's one of the most publicized. <laughs> not not only cancellations, but just like horrible <laughs> things that has happened in pop culture. Yeah, I'm surprised she did, like just didn't know about it. I was like, no, I will not play Ignition Remix. Do you have any other requests? Yeah, she's like, uh, no. what about I believe I can fly? Who sings that? That's uh, <laughs> that's just a that's what's it called? Um, public domain now. We just gave up the rights to that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just that's how like would you say like this was like a like a college aged? Yeah, I would or? say so. Um, it was definitely like mid mid 20s i would say yeah there's a um it was definitely an interesting crowd because the shrek rave i was immediately able to catch the vibe of the of what people wanted to hear yeah this one i kept like throwing things at the wall with like no flow until i realized what it was like and then some girl handed me a ten dollar bill to play crazy frog (laughs) and i would have played it for free but um that it went off people loved it and then after that i played what i played after i played every time we touched then i went into um sandstorm so like basically like <laughs> 2010 homecoming dance vibes yeah. <laughs> that's dope yeah. so like is it for like a shrek rave well i mean we'll get into your real music too yeah. <laughs> but i'm just like it, this was like it's funny because like you said when you walked in here like we know a lot of the same people mm-hmm. and i can always usually pinpoint like when i first became aware of somebody like through mutual friends and i think mm-hmm. for you it was because of the shrek thing Oh, yeah. It was like, <laughs> you had like a viral TikTok or something, like related yeah. to Shrek. And I was like, wait, I know that guy from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, like the, the whole summary with me and Shrek, it's like, it's always been one of my favorite movies, but like five, six, seven years ago, like the meme of Shrek, like kind of like took over the internet. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Because I had grown up loving the movies and like, I was like Shrek for Halloween when I was like in like elementary school like i was always like a huge fan of it but i thought the i thought the memes were so funny and then i just became like the shrek guy like <laughs> in like the this my like local community of friends yeah so like when people would send me find like shrek memes or shrek videos whatever they would just send me like send me the stuff send me the videos or whatever it was so it's kind of like over time it's just kind of been like a sentimental thing for me so like when people like see shrek they'll think of me so it make reminds me like oh people do care about me it's like it's a nice little thing so <laughs> yeah I like leaned into heavily into the whole like loving Shrek thing because it's it's probably my favorite movie ever. Honestly, um, it's 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 like timeless, but it's timeless from a different time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you watch it, it's like very two thousand one. Oh yeah, very much like a product of its time, but still like feels like you can relate to it in twenty twenty three. You know, it, it definitely holds up. Um, yeah. better than other like Mike Myers movies, and, that, and it doesn't even feel like a specifically a Mike Myers movie. Right? You know, it's definitely a more of an all star cast. Hey, now you're an all star, but right. um, but the uh, the video that you're talking about was that um like a Dearborn like what, what do you call them? Like it's like the Livonia Spree. Like it's like I don't know what you call it. It's like the Dearborn version of like a county fair, I guess. Yeah. And Smash Mouth was playing that um that fair that day, so me and a bunch of friends went. 
Wait, really? Yeah. Smash Mouth was here? Smash Mouth played in Dearborn. Um, it was like, I think 2016 <laughs> that, that that happened. And um, fr- a couple of friends and I, uh, actually Andrew Benjamin, who plays for um, Danny's Van Zandt's band, he, yeah. was there, he was there with me. And um, he brought like champagne and we like um, popped it during All Star. <laughs> <laughs> but we like, the Smash Mouth's playing like an hour and a half set. And we, and we realized, oh, like after song two, we're like, oh, they're not going to play All Star to like, the end and there's like all these county fair rides we could go on and we have like all these like yeah free passes to go on these rides somehow i don't know how we got them but um the, the moment we heard all-star we, we sprinted it across the fairgrounds to like watch it <laughs> and then um there's a when they played all-star i brought i had brought my shrek mask into the into the fair so i put it on during the video while smash Mouth's playing all-star and i was standing on a chair just like just it, this was a completely candid video i didn't even know it was being filmed <laughs> yeah um and then i just reposted it recently and it just went like semi-viral on tiktok i think Bar- barstool sports actually reached out to me and wanted to repost it but they never did so oh really so thanks to them yeah that's hilarious <laughs> yeah. yeah so like the reason i i saw it was like i can't remember who was it was but there's a comedian that i follow and i can't remember i follow a million comedians so i wasn't mm-hmm. sure which one it was but it was in their instagram story really and it said novelty songs and i was wow. like what the fuck i like i didn't even know s- that yeah yeah that's wild i can't remember who it was but it was like a comedian that is pretty you know like prominent like a real one not quote unquote you know what i mean well if you can figure that out i would love to find it <laughs> yeah yeah it was like yeah i can't remember who i wish i could dude and maybe it was someone i don't follow anymore because there's like so many comedians constantly just like getting yeah. canceled oh which, yeah which is a whole other whole other conversation yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm curious as like someone who is also like a you know i use this term loosely but like serious artist you mm. know like how much how much does that like your actual like like when you're at something like a shrek rave or like a spongebob mm. rave and it's like the idea is obviously to just have fun like, yeah how much are you like thinking like critically about like the music choices that you're making you know what i mean so it's really different because um they asked me to play the shrek rave as like novelty songs they wanted me to do like a set and i was like they asked me two days in advance before the the rave happened and i was like i mean i can't throw together like a, a band or like any sort of performance on the short notice like right but like what i ended up doing i did like two sets for the shrek one i did like the first set was like me essentially doing karaoke to a bunch of these Shrek songs I already know all the words to, and with like to to their instrumentals, and then I played one of my own songs. Um, it was fun, but once I realized, oh, these guys just the people out here are they don't want to see like an actual band; they just want to hear like fun music. Yeah. Like, so that's why when I came back for the second set, I just DJed, and that's why I did the whole time at the SpongeBob thing. But um, it's really just kind of about catching the vibe and having fun for those things. But um, this is like a recent thing for me. I've never like DJed before. It was just kind of thing I felt that fell in my lap. Yeah. I didn't seek out to do it there. The Crowfoot was just like, Hey, do you want to do this? I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it seems, it's always funny to see like how those things, like once I actually hear how those things come together, because mm-hmm. it's strange when society is something that can take a meme and create like a paid event out of it yeah you know? absolutely like, like i was telling uh i was telling the venue like like there's a spongebob rave there's a shrek rave like what if we did like a mario rave that would be really fun oh yeah we'll love to do that but um if anyone's hearing this don't steal my idea um they're probably gonna <laughs> hit you up anyways like yeah. you're like the character dj guy now yeah, it's <laughs> like, kind of funny cartoon character dj like 
slash like actual musician. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So um, yeah, you know, I would love to keep doing it to make some some cash on the side, but definitely my my main music is like what I where my most of my creativity goes towards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you ever does it ever feel like one gets taken away from the other? Like, do you ever feel like, um, or do you have any fear of like becoming too known as one thing versus like the actual band? Um, that's kind of an interesting that you bring that up. Cause, uh, the whole Genesis of what the novelty songs name means is kind of loose, ba- loosely based around that idea. Cause I wrote the song, the song called novelty on my, on my old like project called signature mistakes. Um, oh, okay. And the song is essentially about feeling like a joke in your group of friends, feeling like no one takes you seriously. Mm. And um, something that I've kind of always struggled with, and I wanted to rename the band um, because of that song, because I thought that, uh, the song just still means so much to me, and I just thought it sounded better as an artist name, and I wanted to like kind of like rebrand the whole project. So it's definitely something that I think about, but um, as I've gotten older and kind of realized um, how I feel about things... I don't really worry about it too much. I think I feel like it's like two different things. Yeah. So like, because my friends that care, they'll care. Right. But people that don't care, like I'm not really here to impress them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's something that I kind of struggle with a little bit too, is like, once you realize how not to be overly cynical about the music scene or anything, mm-hmm. but you start to realize how it really works. And it's so much of it is like, making friends and if you're not if you're not in in like you know friends helping each other out all the time Mm -hmm. and if you're not very good at making friends like and you could be a brilliant musician but if you're not very good at making friends it's going to be hard for you to like go anywhere and it's hard it's going to be hard to get people to care about right what you're doing you know just because in my opinion it's like the most important thing about being in a like a a local act or any sort of musical act is like building a community around your songs um, making people feel comfortable and like excited about what you're doing. And on top of that, like, I think the song should be good. So yeah. yeah. That's, that's also a huge thing. <laughs> yeah. Like that's when we made our first record. I was like so obsessed with making the music and I didn't, mm-hmm. at that point I didn't really know anybody at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I had started doing this podcast at the same time that I was recording it. But like once I finished the record, I was so like, just honestly, just naive. And I didn't know anything about how it actually worked. I just figured like, okay, I have this record that I think is good. I'll just show it to people and then it'll just snowball, you know? Yeah. And obviously that doesn't happen like really yeah. for anyone. And and it's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I have to like go be social too, I guess. Like, right. and it's hard. Like I want to do There's it. A lot of aspects that like go into it that can make it draining and exhausting. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I started this podcast, though, so that I can like meet people and talk to them mm-hmm. in a sense where like I feel like I can show people who I really am and mm-hmm. figure out who they really are rather than like, like, for instance, like if you and I were to like, we would have to probably hang out and talk in the same circle at like five to 10 different shows in a row in order to get the same level of familiarity that we could get just talking for an hour. Absolutely. You yeah, know I what I mean? that. And so that's why I like doing this. So like when now if I see you at a show like after this, you'll have like a much better idea of like what my overall vibe is, you know? Oh yeah, same. I understand. And which <laughs> which is great because I feel and this is not any this is not a criticism of music, but this is just the nature of of human beings and how we are socially when we're in big groups like that. Everyone's a lot different than 
how they would be like one on one, and right. it's it's harder to because everyone's having a good time. Like it's social environments change how things mm-hmm. you know work. So I don't know. It's just it can be kind of difficult to make real connections with people. Yeah, I definitely think the pandemic has kind of changed the whole social climate of everything. I mean, as you as everyone probably already knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of. I feel like now that we're kind of like quote unquote out of it, it's interesting to see i don't think we can fully measure what the effects were yet you know yeah i mean at the same time i feel like it's hard to say like we're out of it because it still feels like we're in it but right like not at the same time i don't really know what's going on so i mean yeah. like no, no one really knows <laughs> yeah no straight up like and I, I i see and people like still wearing masks and stuff and i think like I think that's just going to be the case from now on. I think the pandemic mm-hmm. was something that made people more hyper aware of the fact that there are like pathogens and things like that yeah. just floating around. And if I see someone wearing a mask now, like I think, okay, like I don't have any issue with it. Like I'm not one of those people that's like, it's over, you know? Right. Like I think everyone should be able to do what they want. And the fact that it kind of opened my eyes to things like, you know, I, for my job, like I, I'm in hospitals a lot. So I work mm. for CPS. So if I got to see a kid in the hospital or something. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like now it's like a requirement to always wear a mask. I'm like, that kind of makes sense in general, like at yeah. a hospital. Especially because uh, people are there because they're sick usually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it's not all bad. I, I want to say it's, yeah. not, it's not all bad. Like what has come out of it. But I think, you know, we're not going to diagnose and treat the, like the ailments of society right now, you know, but it's, right. it's it definitely, I think, exposed a lot of uh, weird things about Oh, yeah, people. it's made the world uh, completely different than I've ever seen it. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder how much of this was, like, just, like, lying dormant in people. Mm-hmm. Like, how much of, like, the social, um, what's the word, like, dissidents, like, people just not getting along and people, mm-hmm. like, like, arguing wanting to argue about so many different things like it's definitely amplified the weirdness and the scariness that's really out there that people don't really think about yeah yeah now it's like being you know shoved down our throats essentially like it's everywhere now it's weird Mm but i don't know we don't have to go (laughs) go down that rabbit hole um but yeah so another thing that i i noticed that i wanted to like get your uh thoughts onwards like when you played the the news <laughs> like you, we were on the oh, actual yeah. news dude yeah like how did that come about so um my friend olivia uh dear she's a musician she's singing all over my record um she played on the news like like channel four a couple like maybe a year or so ago a year or two ago and i thought i thought to myself one night when i was i think it was like a couple weeks ago well now it's like a month ago now time goes by so fast yeah i thought i was like what's another way i could like promote my music in a way that i haven't before and i was like it'd be cool to like perform on this like live in the d thing on channel four so i was like i'm gonna email them just cold email them so i emailed them on like a wednesday night and then that next morning they had responded to me like saying hey like we have an opening next monday like we really like your music would you like to perform and i was like uh hold on i had to call austin which was uh austin so was yeah plays uh, guitar in my band and they were available that day so i was like uh, let's do it and uh we performed they asked for the specific song so that was a lot of fun um it was kind of a 
happened out of nowhere really i didn't really expect it to but uh, they responded pretty quickly and they were pretty pretty nice so yeah, yeah. that's that's sweet like mm-hmm. i i thought that was i was like what i was I, I was on austin's instagram where i saw him post on instagram and then i was just like oh okay you're on the you're just like standing at a new set yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much uh just kind of happened um was pretty excited about it i i texted austin that day too like a screenshot i was like another loss to the establishment yeah i mean um it was cool the only thing that that i didn't love was that they did they used my regular name and not my artist name oh really yeah they they wrote tyler common and everything and i was like i told them it was novelty songs but whatever what can you do yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of annoying because then if people are gonna go trying to find it they're not gonna yeah look in the right spot but shrug whatever you know throw it on the old band resume yeah exactly (laughs) like we there's certain things that are just kind of like i started to realize like as a band it's not always about the actual experience of doing it it's it's about like putting being able to say that you did it yeah like we danny and i's band like we were just playing a couple shows this weekend and Mm -hmm. we played in kalamazoo on friday and it was awesome it was just great and Saturday last night we played in Columbus and it was just not great, <laughs> but it was, I mean, there was two other local bands who didn't bring like a single person outside of, yeah. and it's just like, you, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's also, it's Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you never really know, but we, we figured like college town, maybe like a few people would just be built in, but the venue was like, it has a bar on one side and then it has like a, it's kind of like, pjs okay except there's like a if if pjs had a door separating the stage room okay yeah and they had this door closed and like people kept walking up to the door from the other side and like looking in like curious like oh are there bands playing so i so i tried to open the door and so that people could come in and out because there was like nobody there but there was a lot of people on the other side right and the bartender was like you got to keep that closed i was like why we want people to watch us yeah it's like why are you having shows here if you're trying to like block out the noise and like on the other side it was just just the radio you know just playing songs and i was like are we bothering them (laughs) sorry we're performing here you booked the show yeah (laughs) but all that to say you know like we can now we can say we played in columbus and anybody who's like say like if anyone's looking at us for like a festival or a gig and they want to look at the epk and see the list of shows we've done they'll see like oh they played in columbus at this place they're not going to see how many people showed up or that it was a terrible gig right you know, they'll just see that you did the thing mm-hmm. so it's like all right i guess it's worth it yeah for that but i don't know it's kind of like a grind yeah i Absolutely. mean you probably know that it's have you guys gone on the road at all uh with this new project no the only time i've ever played outside of uh, michigan i played in um indianapolis um, a couple years ago with my it's just it's like essentially the whole both projects signature mistakes and novelty songs were just me i just rebranded the name Mm -hmm. but um, with signature mistakes uh we played in indianapolis with a band called summer brews Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. i played with them we had a good amount of people show up it was cool um so chris herman was playing drums for me at the time and it was it was a lot of fun yeah i've uh summer brews like we played in perry's basement one time i think Mm mm-hmm Back when, like, I don't know if Mike was doing it then, but Mike had like this big blow up 
like dog or something <laughs> and it was just like this like like an inflatable like yard dog like with the lights on the inside of it, it was nice. like one of those like inflatable christmas decorations oh, yeah, or yeah. something and they just had that in pat ray's basement while they were playing it was pretty exciting pretty funny <laughs> but yeah um i mean any any plans to kind of do that like go on the road more or is it i don't more, know you like to keep it kind of local and just to be honest it's like uh, most of the guys that play with me are like I usually hire them to play with me because it's not like a, a, a like a legitimate band at least a dedicated band yet which I would love to have a dedicated band but um, unless the opportunity is like really good or uh, makes makes sense like if like a bigger band wants to say hey come play with us in wherever else and like that would be cool but I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm not really looking for it right now I'm, the only thing I'm like focusing on is kind of on new music which is I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, and so like, what do you um, what do you think is, well, first of all, I'll start at earlier. Like, what initially you mentioned that like Motion City soundtrack like was you when you were like and Patrick Stump when you were like learning to sing and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, what was when you first started the band and like the project and your writing? Like, what do you think was influencing you the most in terms of your actual output? That's a good question. Um, I mean, with the with the first time I ever started writing songs, I was just like, I just want to sound like that. Like when I first heard motion city soundtracks music, I was like, I didn't know people could like write music like this and like, and like sing about these sort of things and make them sound good. You know? Yeah. In a way that I've never really thought about before. So I kind of wanted to, to tell my own story that in that way. But um, with novelty songs, I don't really know. It's just kind of the whole Genesis and uh, I said that word already, but the whole like, idea behind the project is to make music that i would want to hear so that's why when you listen to like the full record there's like a country song on there there's like a pop punk song on there there's like a rock song on there there's a um like a ballad on there like there's it's all over the place but it's like i feel like it's cohesive in the fact that like it all sounds like me yeah so that's kind of the whole the whole um idea behind the project like it's not really worried about what it's going to sound like live but what it'll if it's a good song or not you know yeah no, I I definitely agree with that, and I I think that's really similar to how I would describe like what my goal is too. Because mm. it was, I I get really bored with trying to write the same type of stuff. Like if if I had to like pick one of the songs that were like, for instance, like the new record we're writing, like every song is like vastly different from from each other mm-hmm. you know and like if i had to just pick one song and say like this is the vibe of the record i don't know if i could write an entire record to fit one like sound right you know some people are really good at that like some bands do that well like i think i don't know i think like turnover is a band that like every record they have is like one big song <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's like they very much exhaust a sound mm-hmm. you know i i i i do that over the course of like one song i feel like that sound is now exhausted and i need to yeah i feel you there that being said i've never like ventured that far out into to where i would say like there's like a country song or like another you know what i mean it's like it's mm-hmm. it's a weird genre i don't know what genre we are and i don't know what genre you would call that either but i think it's yeah. more exciting to me when when artists like try to do different things you know yeah absolutely it's also like it keeps it interesting for me as like the songwriter and person that's like not only like putting all of my time and resources into it, but also like, you know, 
like putting a lot of money and <laughs> other things into it as well. Yeah. As you know, it's expensive to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It's like, it's, it's, it's really expensive. And I, I took a second job so that I could start to, I mean, so I wouldn't have to worry about studio time, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause if it, it upwards of like three, 400 bucks a day, you know, mm-hmm. to be in the studio, which when you think about like what you're getting, it's, I think it's worth it. You know, I oh, think yeah. it's definitely worth it, but it's, you know, it, it's it hard up. to, yeah, yeah, it adds up. Especially if you want to like pay your, pay your engineer correctly, you know, like, cause it's, yeah. it's, it's their job. Right. So you're hiring them literally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I only really work with, uh, with Tyler. Tyler uh, Floyd. Yeah. Tyler Floyd. Nice. And like, I've done some stuff with Austin. I have some stuff that I need to finish up with Austin too. Mm-hmm. But Tyler, you know, we, we have like a great working relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I would rather just, you know, pony up the dough. And I've never said that phrase in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would rather, you know, I'd rather pay him. And I think he, he deserves it. But it's also like, if, if I need to, if I want to do that comfortably and not take, you know, two years to pay it all off like mm-hmm. i just had to take a second job you know yeah absolutely is- i mean everyone does it at their own pace and obviously like um like you do you like is, is your project function as a band or is it just kind of you it's it's like a hybrid hybrid kind of thing. yeah it's the first record i did it was all me and now it's like now that i have a band like everyone in my band pretty much is like the songwriter of their own band you know mm-hmm. um and like even even the one guy who's not like a, a songwriter in a band per se adrian our bass player like he writes his own songs too so he's a songwriter like everyone has that mind so like i would i'd be doing a disservice to myself if i didn't like consider their input yeah, for everything uh, we do is it adrian clark your basis yeah yeah he, uh, he played in a band called the line of best fit that i filled in for once I've, oh I've, really i've known adrian for for a long time yeah adrian <laughs> cool. yeah that's right adrian did mention that he knows you yeah yeah adrian's a good boy he's a nice guy yeah yeah he's still down in columbus with his, with his oh, girl he lives friend. there no 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 he just like Uh-oh. we were there yesterday and he's he's staying a couple days chilling yeah just chilling and his girlfriend just you know doing all the going to the card shops and stuff oh yeah <laughs> what one does in columbus i don't know for what more than say. a day but yeah so like i i write the songs and I'm kind of like the, I don't know, sounds pretentious, but like the creative director, mm-hmm. you know, where like I'll, I kind of like let the guys do what they want to do in terms of like coming up with parts for the, to go with the structures I wrote. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I'll kind of have like veto power, I guess, where I'll be like, all right, that works. This doesn't do this or don't do this. You know what I mean? Right. But I try to make it so the guys feel like they have some ownership over like at least what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I can like comfortably, like not comfortably, I guess it's comfortable. Yeah. I can comfortably say that the project as it currently stands wouldn't exist without Austin, like working in the studio with them. Cause I've like brought every song idea to them and they've kind of helped me like flesh it out in a way that, um, I may have not seen the song before. Like certain songs on my record, like start off as ballads and then they elevated themselves into like a, like a kind of like a rock song. I don't know if you, if you, I don't know if you've heard the record, but the song "Why I Sing" I had brought to Austin, and Austin was like, "What if we like sped it up?" And it became my favorite song on the record because of that. So, 
Austin had a pretty heavy hand in like writing pretty much everything that you hear on the record um, with me. So I'm pretty fortunate in that regard. Yeah. So do you do you like in general like working with producers in that aspect, or do you think if it was someone besides Austin, you would have felt the same, or is it because like there's a familiarity there? I honestly, for a long time, I've like worked with like a handful of different um, producers and recording engineers and stuff and i'd never really felt like i had developed like a creative um relationship in the way that they understood what i wanted but also wanted the best out of what the song could be until i started working with austin so honestly at this point i can really say the project would not exist if um i hadn't built this creative relationship with austin because for a long time i felt kind of burnt out and like i didn't really i don't know i guess i really didn't really know how to take the project into a new new direction yeah, yeah so i put out the first single i had no other songs written no other like plans to put out any other music or record other, any other music and then um i worked on some like remix like remix contest with austin and it was so fun that i was like i gotta write a song so i can like record my own music with austin because it was there they work they work in a way that's so like different to anyone else i've ever worked with they're the most creative and most talented person I've ever met. So I really feel fortunate to be able to work with them. Yeah, no, that's great. Mm -hmm. It's great when you can find that. Cause I mean, I've, I've only worked with like three people total, mm. you know, and I've just been lucky. That's been, it's been great. I've only done like one session with Austin mm -hmm. and it was only like a half a session. So I don't, I don't necessarily know how we would, uh, work in general i mean i it was good what we did and mm -hmm. i definitely saw it's it was interesting seeing the differences between austin and tyler i think yeah. austin it, in like again in the limited experience i have but it seems like austin was is more like free-flowing mm -hmm. whereas tyler it's like we get a lot more takes of stuff yeah with tyler and then with austin it was more like let's let's make these takes work let's see how like we can like what we can get from like what we're getting yeah kind of thing and it's just like i i like working with both of them because it's i like the idea i'm gonna definitely go back to austin because i like the idea of like trying to combine these different approaches yeah on the same record you know absolutely and i think austin's so like out of the box as far as like what they choose to um choose to do as far as production choices yeah which is why i think my songs have turned out to be so cool the, the way that they currently stand i'm like pretty happy with the record yeah that's that's great and do you think like um when after you made that okay so you have like a record done now and everything and obviously you know it'll probably be a minute before there's another one but do you feel like you've taken certain things from how you worked with austin and how is like that's like affected the way you personally write things now honestly i think in a, in a good way yeah because i like um for i guess um to, to rephrase it, I already have seven new songs recorded. Like EP's like done. Like I just need to have the songs mixed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, okay. So we've uh, kind of just recorded, and I had like a creative spurt and recorded like four songs in like two months, which is the most I've ever written and ever. But now that I've kind of built like a process with Austin, I kind of know what like what I want out of a song, and um, I just bring it to them. And in the studio, we kind of flesh it out. Like sometimes. There have, been, there have been certain days where we'll spend like the first like three or four hours like trying to figure out like okay what is this song gonna do like how is it gonna be structured based on what we have already yeah and then we kind of just dive into it and then it just becomes a whole nother thing by the end of the day which is a lot of fun 
Because we'll be like working from 9 a.m. to like 10 p.m. at night sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> on the songs. So, and sometimes we'll obviously we'll do other sessions to like tighten things up, make it sound better. Um, there's been a handful of times where I've been like, I've taken the song home and I've been like, you know what? My vocals don't sound great. I don't want to re record those or this part needs to be added here or whatever, whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, the, the best part about working with Austin is just the fact that they, they've made me a better musician in every, every front of the, of the idea of being a musician. Like, I feel like I've, I've become a better singer because of working with them. Mm. We'll have to make sure that Austin never hears this. Right. Ego might just explode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I think like, um, it's definitely valuable to have, I think, time away from things too. Like when yeah. you, when you realize, like I never get upset now. Like, at first, like I would feel really like, oh fuck. Like I would hear something and I'm like, oh, this vocal needs to be redone. And then mm-hmm. I would realize like, oh wait, that's a really good thing because if I, would have just committed to the idea that we're done just because everything's tracked, then I would regret it for literally the rest of my life, not to sound dramatic, but like that's something you'll go back to forever. You have a record, like that's, that's a part of you that's just there now. Yeah. You know, you want to have it like it's worth to spend the extra time and money to get it right. Yeah. Like the record I put out in September, there's a song called light clockwork on the album that I spent, I think three or four different sessions were recording the vocals for, because I was like, this part sounds too shrill. Like this part needs to sound like this. And I think, I just think it took me a while to get my vo- vocals right for that song specifically, but the end product I was super happy with. Yeah. Also um, back to Justin Pierre, Justin Pierre was supposed to sing on that song. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, we have like a mutual friend and he was like, he, uh, I guess all the way back to couple, like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Now I put out this song called something's wrong. And then I put out another song called Joke About Forever that I worked on with Austin and Justin Pierre ended up hearing the songs and bought a seven inch that I put out and I like <laughs> mailed it to him and we like developed like some sort of like online friendship. And he seemed, he like offered the idea of like, let's work together on something. I was like, please. Uh, yeah. So, so I like wrote the song like clockwork with his vocals in mind. And like, I think he, he like dragged his feet for over a year and a half and he's been going through some mental health things. Mm. So I just had Austin sing the second verse and wrote, wrote he, they wrote their own verse for it. And I, I'm still happy with the song, but hopefully one day I'll be able to work with him again. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so, sick, dude. Yeah. It'd be insane. Yeah. Like I had, um, like I had uh, this podcast kind of created a little bit of a weird, surreal moment for like, I, you know, the band, you, me and everyone we know. Oh yeah. Ben leaps. Great, great lyricist. Yeah. So he's been on the podcast a couple times mm-hmm. where I was like, I remember seeing him at Warp Tour and when I was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, and being like, that's the man. <laughs> like, just, yeah, th- those first couple EPs and then that Some yeah. Things Don't Wash Out, th- those all those records are great. So Young and So Insane, that EP is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And it was like talking to him. It, it, point, it, what I'm, point I'm making is like once you start knowing people in the music world, you start to realize just because someone is known doesn't mean that they're like completely inaccessible you Mm -hmm. know like fame in terms of like pop punk emo things like that is usually not like legitimate fame like it's not like it's not fame that makes you like there's so many degrees of separation now between you and even being able to communicate with these people it's like they're still just some of them probably work 
other jobs. You know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of them actually. And it's just they're just other people who happen to make music, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's really really cool to see how accessible these people can be. And you know, like I'm like the conversations I've had with Ben were like I cut them off. <laughs> like he would have kept talking to me. You know what I right. mean? Like there was like one was like two and a half hours and I'm like, "All right, well, we'll wrap it up." <laughs> right. But I was just like damn I, that it's it's it was just really cool i don't know and it, it's i really hope that that works out for you i hope that you know yeah able to do that because that would be that would be huge it would just be like a personal like a thing like even if it doesn't elevate the song in like a popularity way which is not why i wanted to do it it's just the fact that i could, could work with him at all like yeah he's the reason why i like wanted to be in the band so like th- being able to work with him and that on that level like the fact that i was even having a conversation with him was yeah unbelievable just because when i was young and in high school like it just seemed so like much so larger than life yeah and uh the idea of like just working with him is would be so cool like i know that he's he's a busy guy he's got like he's got a family he's got motion city soundtrack to worry about and he's also got his own solo music so he's kind of always running on running on full cylinders because i think he also works his own like side job as well so he's doing a bunch of shit at all times and he's also juggling his own mental health so yeah aren't can't we really all? fault him for any of that <laughs> exactly so you know yeah no for sure I, I i think like it's uh some of the magic for me has has been gone a little bit from uh actually meeting and talking to a lot of these people and but in a good way like i don't like revere people as much as i did like when i was a kid yeah, and I think it's kind of unhealthy for people to build these weird parasocial relationships and yeah. like elevate these celebrities or not even celebrities, but musicians or artists on into a level that isn't like seeing them as another human. Right. Like the the level that people idolize, like people like Taylor Swift or Harry Styles. It's, it's like it's very strange. It's uncomfortable and weird, and it's like I can't imagine how it makes them feel. Right. And I mean, it makes me feel weird seeing the way that people reacted to like the whole Taylor Swift ticket fiasco. It's yeah. just like, you're not entitled to any of this stuff. And also like Ticketmaster is a whole other conversation. Like, and obviously I personally think the artists are in on it. Like it's been proven. It's a whole other weird yeah. thing, but it's just like, they're people too. They're definitely like in a different pay grid than us, but yeah, yeah. they're not. They're super people. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's just a weird. They weird hit wrong thing. notes sometimes, you know? Yeah. But like I worked with um, Nick Diener for the first record, and mm-hmm. he was that was like the first in- inkling I got of like okay these definitely are just real people who just like are also just like their own breed of dork just like me you know and like because uh, the Swellers when I was in high school mm-hmm. like they we went to the same high school me and Nick oh cool so when I was in eighth grade Nick was a senior at the same high school as me Mm -hmm. and like the swellers were huge like they were like they graduated and basically went to warp tour and you know what i mean right a couple years later they're touring with paramore and shit like that and i was like linden michigan can produce that you know and then when i made i was going to was looking for a producer to make a record and someone had mentioned that nick was producing and i was like so i hit him up and he just like immediately responded back and i was like wait is is something broken like how is this <laughs> happening and then you realize like oh these are everybody's just a person somewhere living in their house yeah you know what i mean and and money's money spends everywhere like yeah, for real <laughs> so it was it was just cool and it's kind of like influenced the way that i i feel too like just doing things like the podcast because i'm starting to realize like 
not that I'm anything special, but I definitely notice that sometimes people will hit me up to be on the podcast and they're like a little bit extra on their P's and Q's type of thing. Almost like treating me the way that I would have treated someone when I was younger, trying to like work with like a Nick Diener or something like that. Right. You know, once you like establish yourself as like someone who is like a fixture in, in a music community, then Mm -hmm. I'm just like conscious of the way that people might perceive it. And I try to be more like, casual about all of it and try to like yeah. make sure everybody feels like they can definitely come over to my house and do this right for you sure. know what i mean like it doesn't have to be like you don't have to like ask really nicely right, <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean i guess i'm just saying that for anyone who like listening to mm. like just hit me up just do it you know yeah absolutely but um yeah i mean like i try to involve the listeners a little bit too just to try to get people to listen and try to make Mm -hmm. them feel like they're a part of it i tried to put out some questions see if anyone wanted to ask any questions Mm -hmm. danny van zant his snarky little ass who's that guy yeah right (laughs) he said uh what did he say i love that guy dude he's my he's my guy i'm so happy he's in my band now he uh he said it's um why do you sing? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like it's uh, like a, for a funny question, f- but with a kind of a serious answer. Just yeah. to, so I feel like it's like the only thing that I like know how to do and like in a way that like makes me feel fulfilled, fulfilled. And I feel like I have a lot to say in my music and like the whole idea behind the record and like the creative direction, like everything you see that, that came out, with the album was all my idea. Like I had people helping me and as far as photography and design and obviously like down to the production and the mixing of all the songs, like, but a lot of it was everything you hear is like stuff that I really wanted to, to do or convey with everything. So like, I feel like I'm run on a question, run on sent, run on sentence answer to a small question, but it's just, uh, I don't know. It's been the only thing I've ever, only thing I've ever loved to do in my life, really. So. Is that good enough for you, Danny? Yeah. <laughs> Music to your ears now available on all streaming services <laughs> by Danny Van Zant. Yesterday, I like when he was he was out like eating, and I stole one of his Music to Your Ears shirts, and I just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> he came back in, and he was like, "Oh, I'm like, I'm not paying for this. No, <laughs> I paid for it. Don't worry." But uh, yeah, Danny's a silly boy. He's he's a one of the most fun people to be around. Like, yeah, and his album's very good. Yes, it is. Like I got to play with them one time. Like like I filled in for Andy. Andy Andrew Benjamin. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh That dude's my best friend on earth. I love that guy. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. he's really fucking cool. I've known him for like a, almost ten years now, probably over ten years. Oh really? I like stood in his wedding. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah. I forgot he was fucking married, dude. Right? We're getting old. We're all getting old, dude. Oh yeah. Like I have I have friends that now have children it's like that's the weirdest thing like you're obviously happy for them but it's just like a couple years ago we were like like no so far away from the idea of having a kid now you have one it's like it's wild yeah yeah like my younger sister has a child who talks (laughs) has thoughts yeah has real like has has a brain (laughs) yeah like knows knows me almost you know mm-hmm. like it's it's just so so weird um mm-hmm. but yeah all right so the, one more question um from you know dave kovacek 
Sounds familiar. He goes to like every fucking gig. Love oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, know, I yeah. remember him. So his question, he wants to know about... <laughs> the way Dave says this stuff is so funny. He goes, I'm half tempted to ask if you could ask Tyler about the spelling and case use of novelty songs. So I think I think he wants to know what went into like the like the lowercase and like combining them together. Yeah, so um it's kind of a weird choice, but um I wanted to name the band just Novelty and I had changed my handle on everything to be Novelty Songs because everyone had like like novelty music, novelty band, novelty whatever the hell mm-hmm. they want to use as like the tag for their artist name. And I had changed my um artist or not my artist my uh handle to novelty songs just to be like songs is the part of the oh thing. okay as yeah part, as part of the name is uh just the handle pur- purpose of the handle yeah um but when it came time to like actually ch- change the name and like put something out there were so many bands on like all these platforms already named novelty a variation of it yeah and the idea behind what the name means made sense with the name novelty songs. I just thought it looked better as one one word, like two words didn't look great in my opinion. So I just kind of kept it as the same as the handle. I thought it looked better that way. Yeah, it's it's just it's strange how language is like that too. Right. Like saying it out loud is entirely different than like how it appears on the mm-hmm. like I I I spend way too much time thinking about how to stylize in a daydream you know like is the a capitalized or is it not capitalized right <laughs> I, it, yeah. I don't know i still haven't decided like right and it really annoys me too like you know how like the actual correct grammar for song titles is every word capitalized yeah i i can't stand that like why why just in song titles like we have these some like kind of long song names where there's like there's like a's and there's of's and there's the's in there that like should not be capitalized in my opinion Mm -hmm. so it's just one of those things i get hyper obsessed over of like how to even where what to capitalize where and things like that but Mm -hmm. i i all that to say like i definitely get like the like trying to have like an aesthetic choice around you know how you even just spell your own band name right you know what i mean um do you ever feel like adhd random side question here do you ever feel like because you had mentioned all of your songs and everything that you sing about is stuff that you've like actually wanted to say you know yeah do you ever feel like you're out of things to say like do you ever feel like sometimes i feel like i'm writing for the sake of writing because i'm like I feel obligated to put more out because I have the music for it, but I can't think of anything to fucking say. Like, do you ever feel like it's more difficult than other times to actually conjure something? That's an interesting question. But um, there's been times where I've felt like I had nothing to say. So I just haven't sat down to write. Usually when any of my songs have written, been written or made is when I've had something to say. So I haven't really um, run into the problem of not knowing what I want the song to be about. I just kind of just don't write when that happens. Like, so like if I don't feel inspired to say something or in my music, I just don't um, force it, you know, because when, yeah. when I've tried to force it, not f- tried to force it, but like sat down and try to write stuff and it didn't really work. Um, I've, it's been kind of obvious in the way that the song feels like in this new session of songs, we did like eight, eight songs. And um, one of them, I'm just like, every time I listen to it, it just like feels like I'm not saying anything in the music. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna like hold that, hold on to that one, and probably not put it out. But 
um, everything else is just like, oh, there's a clear cut idea of what I, what I'm going through in this song or what I want to say. And it's kind of obvious, at least, at least to me as a listener, like when I can listen to someone's band or listen to like a popular song, it's like pretty obvious when the artist is either writing a song just to make money or just to, just to write or if they're like have something, something to say, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the, one of the things I've always like really um, made, made sure that I've made obvious in my music that when I have something to say, it's, it's very evident. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, that's, I, I kind of struggle with this personally because I'll, I'll have something very clear to say and think like the first record I made was me getting out five to 10 years of things because it was the first record I actually made and put out. So there was mm-hmm. so much time. Like my basically my entire life had led to like those like five songs of like things that I had pent up inside of me to actually get out and say. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, okay, I don't really know what the fuck I even feel anymore, right. you know? And it's like, and I also look back at some of that stuff and that's, not something i have to say anymore right and i don't necessarily disagree with the things but it's things i don't feel anymore and you don't relate to it yeah and sometimes i don't even trust it's kind of made me feel like i don't trust what i have to say right now i don't trust that that is even going to be relevant to me in a year yeah so i struggle with like do i want to put this down like how 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 strongly do i feel that this is even going to be something that i care about yeah, you know that's one of the reasons why I've like really stri- strive to not really um, write about like romantic relationships that I've mm-hmm. in my music because I know that if I write about something that I'm going that I, like years ago that if I wrote about like a relationship this I knew that years later it probably wouldn't connect the same way. Mm-hmm. So like my the record I just put out I've been I've been dating the same girl uh, Danielle for two and a half years we live together and. Oh, nice. I, I felt really excited, really um, inspired to like write about her and a lot of the songs. And I knew that like when I wrote those songs, like this is, this is, I'm going to marry her one day, you know, yeah. sort of thing. So I like, I felt comfortable writing about her, but in the past I've haven't really felt like I wanted to do that. So it's, I've, I've always kind of tried to focus on writing about myself and like things that I feel and things that I've gone through. Like, I'm like, there's like a couple new songs I've written that are like letters to myself almost like when I was like yeah. struggling with something. And I think that those songs are always way more fulfilling to, to write and to finish and hear as a fi- final product when, when they're done, um, than it is about write about something else, you know? Yeah. No, I, that's, it's funny that you mentioned like their structure as letters to yourself. Cause that's kind of like, that was my approach with the first single we put out after, mm-hmm. um, after the record so like the most recent single is a series of accidents yeah yeah literally the first lyrics are dear former selves (laughs) like so it's like literally like a letter i I was like writing it to myself when i was this tortured person writing the first record you know what i mean because i was so much more like i don't want to say melodramatic i don't want to discredit the way i felt when i was writing the first one but it's just it's just not where i'm at anymore and i was grown yeah i was so like Mm -hmm lost in the sauce i guess you know like to to really trivialize it because i was dealing with loss and grief and all these things yeah and and i was just like man i really could have taken it a little bit easier on myself and i really could have just like chilled out a little bit and that that was the whole idea of and yeah what about like do you think um this is something that i'm trying to move towards too because it kind of makes it a little bit easier to write because if i'm out of things to talk about with myself 
I've been trying to turn into like fictional concepts and, and instead of writing about myself, thinking about like, you know, for instance, there's one song we're working on. That's like, what would the dialogue between, I mean, this is so pretentious, but what would the dialogue between like Jesus and his father, God be if Jesus was like a 16 year old, like bratty kid, like trying to borrow the keys to the car type of thing. Right. Like, what would that be like, (laughs) you know? And just thinking about these concepts that, I don't have to worry about how I feel. And then mm-hmm. it kind of opens up a door for me to just do whatever I want within that. Like, do you ever feel like yourself moving towards any sort of like fiction or storytelling or is it kind of more yourself? Honestly, like the one time I tried to do that was the song on the record that I'm just not putting out. I don't think it just didn't feel like authentic to me. Yeah. Maybe one day it will when there, well, I'll have something or I feel inspired to like talk about something that I feel like I could convey in a, in a way that makes sense. Yeah. But um, as of right now, I haven't really dove into that yet. I think it could be a cool, cool idea. Like, especially if you do it right and have know what your, what your end goal and everything is with the way that the song sounds. But um, it's definitely something I'm interested in trying, but haven't really dove into yet. Yeah. I think it is difficult to do it in a way that feels authentic because yeah. I mean, I've definitely done it way like a lot of times and not released it because it just felt like eh, it just feels hokey to me that's yeah. just because i wasn't very good at it so if, so if you're not excited about the song then why would anyone else be excited right right and it's just it's different though like i really am a big uh ben folds fan and he has a mm-hmm. ton of songs that are just like made up stories yeah and it it feels it feels like he's the guy to do it like it doesn't feel hokey it feels like oh this is a guy who's telling me a story you know this is his style yeah yeah, yeah. But I just feel like it. I don't know. I guess you got to get more comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously that guy's been doing it for what, like thirty years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, literally took John Mayer out in his first couple tours. Like, John Mayer started off as a guy like bootlegging Ben Folds songs. On, no like, shit. On like forums and stuff, and Ben Folds found out about it and took him out on tour, and then vice versa. John Mayer took Ben Folds out when John Mayer blew up. Dude, oh, man, I pissed. I missed that. Right. It was like when I was. It was like in t- the early 2000s when I was probably like, what, 13, 12. Did you ever get to see any of those shows? Um, the first time I ever saw him was in 2013 on the Born and Raised tour. He was supposed to originally come to the Fox Theater, but then he had uh, the vocal yeah. problems. So he had to cancel that tour and then did a tour a year later and played DTE with it when Paradise Valley had just come out, but he was doing the Born and Raised tour. <laughs> I was at that show. Oh, yeah. That was, was my first John Mayer show, too. It was the great. DTE, and I think he did Free Falling. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how that's what I remember because I thought I wasn't a John Mayer fan at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just going because it was at DTE and like around that time we were just my my buddies and I we would just if there was like any even halfway decent show because we lived like half an hour away. Right, we would go there all the time, and it was it wasn't until like things probably weren't insanely expensive then too. <laughs> right, right. Like it was wasn't until like five or six years later that I even realized I. It, in my head, for some reason, it was Jack Johnson that I saw. And, <laughs> and then, because I remember Jack Johnson, yeah, he did this cover of Free Falling. And then, when I became like a John Mayer super fan, like, I was looking back at old set lists and realized that he had played Free Falling and, at DTE. And I looked at Jack Johnson, because I had also saw Jack Johnson DTE, but he didn't. And I was like, wait, I saw John Mayer already. Right. <laughs> it was just weird, but... Mm-hmm. Since then, I've I knew I was I I couldn't not talk about John Mayer with you, dude. Um, oh, he's the best. Yeah, like I've seen him probably like five times. 
I, I don't know how many times I've seen him. Probably more than ten. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Did you see the Sob Rock tour at all? Oh yeah, I saw it uh, twice in Chicago and then once in Pittsburgh. Um, I had spent like a stupid amount of money for a front row ticket in Pittsburgh, and um, oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. And at the end of the show, I was front row for it. Um, I was at, at the end of the show during New Light, which was his last. That's song. amazing. I had uh, brought a copy of Continuum on vinyl, and I pulled it out from my seat with a with a marker and he i saw him he we made eye contact during it didn't make eye contact the whole show but when i pulled it out he made eye contact and he nodded at me and i was like am i is he gonna sign it for me yeah at the at the very end when i was like waving to the crowd he came over and uh grabbed the record for me and signed it signed my name on it and have it framed in my room that's amazing dude it was awesome that's fucking sick i saw the uh night one in chicago my, oh yeah yeah cool my girlfriend and i uh that was like the night we started dating basically like nice. we had been seeing each other but like we went to the john mayer show and then like i asked her to be my girlfriend and all that stuff very romantic very cute but love uh, it yeah it was great and i saw him at um the bourbon and beyond festival okay like which was down like in louisville yeah like a few years back like lenny kravitz was the color like really line. random lineup and then john mayer's headlining yeah. yeah yeah and it was like uh david byrne lenny kravitz cheryl crow wow <laughs> yeah david yeah. byrne that's crazy yeah yeah i was like i was really close for david byrne because there was two main stages right next to each other mm-hmm. and so it was like david byrne lenny kravitz and then john mayer you know so like john was the next one on that stage after david byrne so i got really close david byrne's up there in like a gray suit with no shoes no socks on mm-hmm. like <laughs> it was when you they were doing this their live set like you couldn't see any amps there's like a bunch of like background dancers and stuff it was really interesting did you any uh talking head stuff um i think so but the thing is i didn't know enough yeah to really know you know like i know uh, a few talking head songs i have a, fr- a couple of friends that love them yeah i mean the only, main thing i know about talking heads is that radiohead comes from a talking heads lyric oh but, really yeah there's some or it's maybe it's in the name of a song or something but i know radiohead is something some reference to a talking head song. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Radiohead's like my other favorite band, but mm-hmm. John Mayer, I've just, he's like my number one on Spotify for like the last three years in a row. <laughs> yeah, it's either John Mayer or The Main or my number one every year. <laughs> oh, The Main? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Huge fan of that band. That's sweet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so like, I guess if there was anything like outside of music, that like artistically that you could do like is there anything else that you really do that kind of plays into it or um not really i mean like when i grew up i was uh the way i like dipped my toes into like music at all i used to run this like music blog and i would interview all these like emo bands <clears throat> when i was like in high school and then i like worked for alternative press as a writer for a couple years oh was, really like, when i was like out of high school yeah um that's kind of how i made a lot of connections and met a lot of different like local bands and friends by doing that and then i kind of just put my focus on my own music um, yeah but other than that I, I like writing a lot like I, I definitely would work for some sort of publication it would be cool but yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean do you, i feel like how do you this is interesting that you do that you do i had no idea but now i'm gonna ask you because we've been on a couple of different publications and you know like that's kind of like the benchmark a lot of bands do now like when they're releasing something like oh here's our brooklyn vegan article like oh Mm -hmm. here's the alternative you know and like we got on uh like stereo gum a couple times and i was just like at the time it was awesome i was like oh shit dude look at that but i feel like who i don't 
nothing comes from it really and it's, it's just like a like you said it's like a resume thing yeah and it's, it's nice it is and i just <clears throat> i wish more people were into that like i wish more people yeah i feel like it that definitely makes your band look a little bit more serious or legitimate but at the same time like like a, a, a good show or a, a Spotify playlist would help you more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, oh, I guess that's just for me, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it is what it is. But I mean, things back when you were probably writing for Alt Press, like, I feel like that stuff was way more relevant than it is oh, now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know? Like, I don't know what happened, but Alt Press was like, that was like the definitive, like, that was for me and like for emo kids and things like that, that was like bigger than pitchfork from in terms of like the scene that we were kind of into, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a whole different world now. Like, I don't know. Most people don't know this, but like the Madden brothers bought the magazine. They own it now. Oh really? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like Steve Madden. Like, no, like uh, the good Charlotte brothers. Oh, (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Like, guess so but this they yeah. used to be based in cleveland and now they're based in like la because because good charlotte owns it <laughs> huh that's really weird yeah yeah i remember there was like a definite turn things went like towards the end of warp tour too like the time yeah. like bring me the horizon was like the biggest band all the time it seemed like i feel like, like they still are one of them at least yeah like in terms like <clears throat> it, it it kind of went more in that direction i feel like alt press and things like that it doesn't feel like just alternative music, you know? Yeah. It feels like a lot more pigeonholed. Yeah, definitely clickbaity as well. Is it? Yeah. See, yeah, okay. I feel like it is. Like all those websites have to survive somehow. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else, dude. Um for so for this next I'll ask you about the new stuff yeah. real quick and then we'll kind of wrap it up. For sure. Um do you feel so you have like a few like you said pretty much the whole EP done right it's just gonna yeah. get mixed so how do you feel like it compares like thematically sound wise like what's different from this one that has you excited compared to the one that's already out um I got to work with some new uh, musicians on it which was cool but um I definitely think it feels more I don't know it's like it feels like a continuation of what I was kind of already doing but in a a new way I guess like more like I have like a formula not like a formula but like a a vibe down yeah i'm pretty excited about it um but yeah i don't know it's uh just feels like a continuation of what i what i was doing before in like a stronger a stronger way yeah so i'm just gonna just trying to to do that you know yeah no that's cool um and then any upcoming shows any like dates to promote anything like that uh not really don't have any shows booked right now but um i am doing a myspace night at the crowfoot with my friend cody badgley <laughs> april 7th that should be it should be fun april 7th yeah all right cool dude <laughs> myspace night yeah i can see where that that could go i was just talking with a friend yesterday about how much better myspace was oh than, yeah than facebook like i remember uh adding like text boxes and stuff like to just like scroll box just to show all my favorite bands yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. HTML rules, dude. It's true. But all right. Yeah. Let people know like where they can find the, the stuff online and everything. Oh uh, yeah. You can go to listen to novelty songs.com. It'll take you to my link tree, which has the links to everything on there. Sweet. Novelty songs on Spotify and Apple music. All right. Be good kids. <laughs> <laughs>